to Angel's Neurodiversity Chats, where we talk about life in our neurodivergent families. If you have any suggestions or topics or any questions you'd like to ask us, please do get in touch on our email at podcast at angelsupportgroup.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Neurodivergent Chats. I'm here with Lisa and Penny, and I'm Judith, and we're going to chat today about... Um, autism and ADHD and how it presents in girls and women um, because I think we probably all recognize there are some differences in the way it presents to um, perhaps in males but they're not always very well understood and I think for those of us involved and in as we've been supporting parents it can be quite a kind of confusing frustrating area when yeah, I don't think yeah. other people kind of get that difference yeah um, the appearance it sort of came about that we were talking about this because we were looking at our membership figures and the with families that have been joining angels traditionally the split between girls and boys was 70 boys 70 percent boys to 30 percent girls and yeah. it has changed over the last few years to be 60 percent boys and 40% girls and obviously we think we all understand that actually really in reality it should be 50-50 mm, yeah. um, and that and there's clearly we know historically a difference between the number of girls that get identified and mm. diagnosed with both conditions mm. and the number of boys. Mm. Going back some time I remember when we first had the diagnosis in the family you know it was uh, you know everybody talked about it is it oh it was boys yeah, you know, and yeah. It was the ratio was four to one or something? Yeah, wasn't it was four it? to one. Yeah. Um, and and so if you were a girl, you just it just wasn't that expectation that autism or ADHD would be even on the radar of anybody. Yeah, and I remember professionals, teachers, whoever. And I remember when yeah, when when um, my son was little, um, a lot of the girls of his cohort that got diagnosed were more likely to also have a, a, a learning disability as well yeah. because then there was enough difference. Yeah, um, to notice from them that, that it could get picked up by professionals. Um, and I think historically now we also know that, as we know from our own, from our own experience, um, many girls who don't have an additional learning disability were, were, ha weren't picked up over the years and are now getting diagnosed in adulthood. Yeah, just starting to, aren't they? It's, it's, it's becoming more um awareness yeah that there are lots of women who have struggled all of their lives yeah. um and are now being recognized as as being on the autistic spectrum or having adhd and i think that's really positive thing and really useful um because struggling your whole life and not knowing why you're struggling and feeling different feeling like you don't fit in and you don't understand why you don't fit in mm. and why you can't make friends or your friendships always go belly up it's like it's confusing yeah and and, and you don't have any reason for that because yeah. you're not deemed as you know being different to anyone else so why so i think it's important that we starting to recognize that there are lots and lots of women as well as men obviously that have got autism and adhd but it does present so differently between the two genders generally um yeah. but that doesn't mean to say that women can't present like the male some presentation do. Some, do. some do and vice versa yeah, i yeah. know quite a few boys and men who actually would fit the female 
definition yeah, much yeah. more than they do for males. Yeah, so what it is is opening our eyes to, to the fact that it doesn't present in what we might have historically considered a very typical. Um, I don't think know, it should... ADHD has to be bouncing off the walls. Well, ADHD doesn't have to be bouncing. No, off and I don't think walls. we should be gendering the the no, definition of no, the diagnosis. Yeah, I think what we should be recognising is there's various presentations of people who fit the autism and ADHD criteria for diagnosis. Yeah, and that is a very different thing to saying you fit like a girl or you yeah. fit like a boy. It's, we need so to get right. away from the gender yeah. part of it. But I suppose the point here in our podcast now is to try and introduce some of those less typical, less understood. Um, less obvious. What um, other reasons why signs. quite often yeah. these children, for whatever reason, don't get picked up yeah. until they're older or even in, into adulthood. Yeah, and the less obvious signs that somebody might be autistic or have ADHD because I think that's what people you know initially everybody thought you don't have to give eye contact that there was no empathy um you, you couldn't know, have imagination you couldn't have imagination yeah, yeah. all of that and it's it's way beyond that now isn't it you know there are really. people who've got fantastic imaginations who are <laughs> autistic um and masses amount of empathy. Yeah, masses, yeah. masses. Of Probably empathy. too much empathy. Yeah, and I think uh, that's me. That's I'm the I'm that way. I'm like the empathy is mm. massive mm. for me. I like feel everything and yeah. everybody's emotions. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it is about understanding those difference differences it, within that. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. presentations. I, I guess the way of looking at it is they're not. Um, well recognised presentations. That's what we're really talking yeah. about, rather yeah. than necessarily putting a gender on them. So, so perhaps we should we try and yeah. think about it. I mean, like I that. suppose a big part part of it really is what we call masking. Yeah, and that's the ability of an individual to, in a way, hide the social differences that there are between their own presentation and the way that they are, and other people, and. Quite often you see that the people who are diagnosed a lot later on are particularly good at masking. And the sort of things that you will be doing if you're very good at masking is copying the behaviour of those Mm. around you. So if you think of, uh, let's think of our stereotypical autistic girl in the classroom and she is confused about the social um, environment that she's in and and what everyone's doing and why those girls behaving like that but she manages to copy uh, well enough and have strategies well enough that nobody really notices adults don't really notice any difference between her behavior and the behavior of her peers yeah sometimes the peers will notice they will see through it yes but adults will not. Adults will look at her and say, no, she's fine, she's playing with all the other girls, yeah. or he's fine, he's got friends. But actually, mm. if don't you look, look a bit closer... But if you're in that relationship, you would see... Yeah. And often, peers notice it, I think, because yeah. they're actually in it, as opposed to when I'm yeah. and, and from an onlooker, if you see a group of children together, that just looks like they're all doing the same thing. But if you actually was observing it properly you'd 
probably see that the the person with autism isn't actually fully involved in that they're observing oh, what's going on and yeah. watching and only interjecting when they know they've yeah. got the right thing to say at the right time um so it's really you take you have to do a lot more investigation than just looking at it from a yeah sort of needs a level of understanding that you know what you're looking for doesn't yeah it? yeah and i think that's where sometimes yeah and and i think of some of the strategies um one of my um sons is it is what you might call a girl presenting yeah that presents like a, a, a autistic mm. traditionally what we thought of um it, and and he has all sorts of strategies to basically if anyone asked him anything to make them think that everything was fine he yep. knew what was going on and yep. could they just go away yeah and basically he has him down yeah to a t yes yeah, or or yeah. giving a non-committal answer or just agreeing to whatever it was or that the adult said the thing that you know no, they the want to hear wants to hear yeah yeah exactly. that's exactly nice that. to a t he still does that yeah really effective making yeah. people think everything's fine nothing to see here <laughs> yeah <laughs> move along yeah exactly yeah. leave me alone go away <laughs> and often why the answer is no to things yeah. or pushing back or no i don't want to no not now thank you no you know that kind yeah. of yeah yeah so in, yeah that might be seen as a more female thing but as we've just demonstrated here it's yeah, not, it's it's not it's, uh, no, it's, it is a strategy yeah. so do we want to talk about and i guess this is what coming to what those maybe we should look at autism first and yeah think about yeah. what autism might present like in a way that we're a little bit surprised that it presents like that or people and maybe teachers and professionals are not looking for um i don't know if we want to start so, with autism yeah so with autism quite often um they'll be um quite emotional and and sort of vulnerable maybe tearful mm. can quite often be um and which which can then look like you know it's that over empathy overly thing. sensitive overly sensitive mm. so often that's given the label of they're overly sensitive mm. um they might be sort of quite clingy to parents or their primary caregiver because that person is translating the world for them. Yeah, as we talked about the tall guy thing. Yeah. Well, they also might be quite clingy to another friend. They often yes. have a, uh, one a friend. special friend. And then they get accused of separation anxiety. Yeah, so then that's it labeled, isn't. Yeah. It's just because they need that person to navigate the world for yeah. them. Um, but with friendships it gets difficult doesn't it yeah, because yeah. Our, our, let's say our autistic child here who has got a very close bond with this friend who might be neurotypical who wants to have other friends the the, the autistic, autistic young girl might find that poor boy well needs to have that person in their life 24 7. yeah and so it becomes yeah. overpowering and yeah intense that relationship that friendship becomes so intense that the friend often feels like they're being suffocated yeah. and that can cause real problems but for the person with autism that's that friend is what's helping them navigate the friendships and yeah. peer interactions yeah. in, in their in social groups social groups and stuff yeah i think the other thing uh, we talk about you know uh, special interests or being a bit obsessive or those kind of things yeah. and, and how um somebody on the spectrum might have a special interest in that and I, I think, um, you know, sometimes with, again, perhaps girls, but you, hear, you talk about, you know, needing the latest of everything, being quite obsessed with perhaps her, that, that special interest and wanting to yeah. 
continue and have more and more of that, whatever it might be, a certain toy, a certain... And generally for for the those that don't have weird special interests, they have like typical, what every typically developing teenager or young person might be interested in, but it's the depth of knowledge that they have around that interest that you need to look at. Yeah, so it might not be that they're obsessed with pylons or trains in the same way as we traditionally think of autistic special interests. Doctor Who, whatever it is, but they would be they'd be very very interested in 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 animals or horses or dogs or a boy band or K-pop band or, or celebrity of a celebrity and their knowledge of that person or that topic will be so in depth yeah. and to the nth yeah. degree and that's where you can see the difference between them and the typically developing child of the same age who's interested in the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it lasts longer and, and they've got such a depth of knowledge and often they might be talking about it and really not tuned in at all to the fact that nobody's yeah. listening. Nobody actually, you know, people have moved yeah. up onto another topic yeah. and they're... And, and they talk about it constantly or they research it constantly or it's the thing that whenever there's any... when they're not doing schoolwork or going to work or going out they're in that yeah they're in it that comes a safe place for them yeah a safe place where they can you know focus on mm. what they want to focus on and block the rest of the world out um mm. so it's it, it, it you know we know that autistic special interests are really really important mm. um but you might not with these this presentation you might not realize it's a special interest because it looks like well, they're just talking about the same things as their yeah. friends yeah yeah, yeah. But it's how important that thing is to them. Yeah, well. and and how much in knowledge they have on yeah. it because yeah. they they literally know everything, like yeah. everything about that yeah. person or that thing or or that animal or whatever it is. Um, so quite typically, our 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 super masker, so our young person that's really masking very well, um, they are in a in a classroom setting. They're not standing out because they are really adept at copying whatever it is that their peers are doing, keeping their eye out and seeing what other people are doing so that they can follow the instructions, make sure they know what they're supposed to be doing. So nobody flags up that they're not following instructions or not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're just there, quiet, unassuming, getting on with it, seemingly. But underneath... They're paddling furiously to try and work out what on earth is going on and what they're supposed to be doing and what they're supposed to Trying say. Trying to keep it all together. Yeah. Which is exhausting. Exhausting. Mm-hmm. And then exhausting. when they do get home, that's when it all has to come often, out. Often, yeah. And so yeah. you often have what they call like the Jekyll and Hyde. You know, they're then Dr. Jekyll at school and Mr. Hyde at home. And <laughs> it's really like... I was trying to think which way around with yeah, that. I was Dr. Jekyll is the calm one and Mr. Yeah. Hyde was the lunatic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah it, and it is that, it is that keeping it, like, all under control in school and then... And I think somebody, I remember once, um, somebody explaining that it's not just that they're doing their best to, you know, fit in yeah. and, and yeah. look like everybody else. Actually, what they are doing is they are putting every ounce of their effort and energy and emotional intelligence, everything that they've got, into making sure that you cannot see 
they are struggling. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not that they're that it's just that you're not seeing it, it's that they're making sure you don't that's see it. Mm. So it really is hard and to it's pick. exhausting. And it then, is exhausting. And that's why when you get home it has to come out because yeah. you you yeah. Your battery is drained and by the time you get It's either going to come out, it even come out in different ways, can't it? Yeah. But it could be just literally exhaustion, yeah, yeah. not able to engage, shut not able to talk, shut yeah. down. Burn out. Yeah. Or it could be a, a much more, more kind of explosive. Yeah. 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 And I think quite often for these, it, what makes it so difficult for, for these children and for their parents is that parents are saying, we're seeing this at home, they're really struggling you know, what can we do to help? And school are like, but there's absolutely nothing going on for that child. Doing really well. Because they're just, you know, because it's, it is so hard to see through that that facade that they're putting up, their mask. Yeah, it's so hard. To see so it does need proper observation, it doesn't really it? Does, it has yeah. a proper focus from the... the, the and real unpicking and, and looking yeah. at detail at how they're interacting with their peers how much of what you say to them they understand mm. are they able to cope in an unpredictable situation are they unable to cope when they haven't got their props around them i.e yeah. the child that they are attached to or yeah. that's giving them the, the signals and the clues yeah effectively. yeah <clears throat> but that i mean that brings you know one of the things we know uh, about autism anyway is that predictability that need for predictability and for routine yeah. and 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 how difficult transitions are but i think sometimes we miss, for instance, with transitions that that the difficulty in transitions can be tiny. Transitions. Yeah, yeah, tiny transitions. So I can think be sometimes more go... problematic than big transitions. Yeah. So it is about yeah, looking at all of those small really, things that yeah. stopping one thing and starting yeah. the next really can be challenging. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's. It, I think when you start to understand autism, then you would start to see some of those smaller um dif areas of difficulty that have been really well hidden um that you would not necessarily think of or see um without understand you've got to understand the condition yeah. when you're looking at a child who's doing a fantastic job at hiding all of their difficulties yeah and the other aspect of it is that it gets harder to do it as you get older yeah because the social environment becomes more and more complex and their peers social development moves ahead at a faster pace and so you often by the time they get to teenage years that's when for our super maskers it sort of falls apart a little bit yeah. because things go crazy with teenagers yeah. don't they socially well and they are that their peers the neurotypical have, have, uh, have got increased emotional intelligence they're yeah. aware of and they pick it up more easily don't they yeah, so then yeah. the difference becomes and know, the things that they're interested in change so it's harder to feign an interest in yeah yeah well, relationships with the opposite sex yeah you know, and also you know, because your emotional and social development generally is delayed you're not at the same level as your peers so like you say you've still got the special interest in like my little pony say for example at like 14 and your 14 year old peers are like what the hell are you doing that's yeah. not really age appropriate yeah. anymore yeah so it does become more, so it's more much harder then because actually you need that special interest yeah. but you don't want to be ostracized mm. because of it so you're trying even more desperately to try and fit in but when you're not emotionally and socially at the same level those things that they're interested in you can't 
You can't get no, out of it. Can't you can't make sense. Of, you know, their special interest moves, I yeah, would yeah, say. Yeah. It does move with yeah. it, but it might always be a bit time lag. Yeah. Um, and, and, and me more intense in the time that it's there. So anything else on autism? Just thinking whether we want to talk about ADHD a little bit and the differences. Uh, we can come back. We'll do yeah, that. I think there's like a crossover anyway. So yeah. they're going to touch into yeah with both. No, for me, the obvious standout thing with ADHD is that um, often, and we talk about this as typical girls, but it doesn't have to be. Is the the verbal being yeah. Very... Yeah, the hyperactivity element is often different. Yeah. There's a it's a language. Whereas verbal. generally you might see a young boy who's very hyperactive, running around constantly, climbing on things, jumping off things. Sometimes with other people who don't have that level of hyperactivity, their hyperactivity comes out differently. And often we associate it with girls and they're chatterboxes. They talk yeah. non-stop. They talk your ears off. And they often talk at a rate of knots that you can't actually keep up with. Yeah, brain is whirring, isn't it? And and the interrupting you, but yeah. So that often is the difference. You either got the hyperactivity comes out where they're all like on the go and they never stop, or they're just talk. The hyperactivity comes out in lots yeah. of talking. And as an adult, your hyperactivity comes out differently again. Yeah. Um. So you don't be running around, and you might not. You might still talk a lot if there's people to talk to. But it might be that you need to do more than one thing at once. Yeah. So you're all, you might have two or three things on the go at any one time, just because you need to keep yourself going. But it doesn't look like it just looks no. like you're really good at multitasking. And I mean, I, the other thing that's really common is the inattention. So inattention in boys, or you know, not typically stereotypical thing, is that it, it's behaviour, and they're then fidgeting and doing other things and yep. being active and there's that overlap but in girls they're often labeled as daydreamy yep. and um, away with the fairies yeah that was me <laughs> and so and should try harder and in a, in a, and yes and should try harder should apply themselves lazy I mean that actually you know applies across the board with ADHD isn't it yep. they're perceived as lazy yep. but but in a way, historically, socially, we've attributed daydreamy and being away with the fairies as a natural thing for girls to be like. Yeah. So it was ignored. So if you had a girl that sat in class looking out the window the whole time, very clearly ADHD. Yeah. Uh, years gone by, we just thought, oh, she's just away with the fairies, that mm. one. Yeah. And, and, and just told them to pay attention. Yeah. That's um, what that's, and, that was what was told to me all yeah, the time. Yeah. And, and, and so we were missing that, yeah. that a lot. We missing enough, misunderstanding. Yeah. And, and that is really hard because you might have somebody who's very academically able yeah. but because they can't attend can't put that attention in yeah. and they are daydreamy and they're just staring or they've got lot the other thing is you might be appear to be daydreamy but actually what's going on in it's your head is stuff. a lot of stuff yeah. and so you're not processing anything that's coming in because you've got so much other stuff mm. going on mm. and i i for me one of the things that made me realize was when i read like i will read a book and i'm like thinking about oh i've got this going on and oh i must remember stuff <laughs> so you haven't actually read it <laughs> like, 
I don't, I don't, I don't remember reading that. <laughs> I need to reread that. So I could reread a paragraph like six or seven times before I've actually processed any of it. Because my brain, as soon as I start reading, it starts thinking about other things. Yeah. And it's really hard. And when I was a kid, I used to read all the time. And I'm now thinking, how, but I, you know, I remember all my teachers and my mum saying, I was reading Black Beauty and was I couldn't even tell you what them stories are about. So I clearly didn't read them. <laughs> hmm. I could read the words, but actually I never processed any of that. Well, the other thing is about memory and retention, yeah, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. I didn't hold any of that. Yeah, yeah. And and so yes, I was a really good reader, but actually my attention was obviously clearly all over the place. And it's and I, and that as an adult has become more apparent to me. As I got older, I became more aware of that. Yeah. I never really was aware of it when I was at school. I just used to wonder why I couldn't ever remember what we'd done or what I'd read or, do you know what I mean? But I didn't yeah. realise I had so much other stuff going on in my head. So there is that attention thing is quite, mm -hmm. quite big yeah. for... And that people. busy brain thing, yeah. it, you know, links then to not being able to get off to sleep at yeah. night and needing yeah. multi-screens yeah. and, and, and you can't be able to, I mean, these are perhaps more standard things about, well, no things about ADHD, but not, you know, getting bored very easily, not being able to um, entertain themselves. Occupy yourself, you get agitated quite yeah. quickly because you can't, because you can't attend to something for very long, you can't occupy yourself for very long and it can be really frustrating if you can't, don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah. So I think that there's that, and, and often you'll see the young person looking for an argument or a fight or, you know, irritating other people because they're needing input and stimulation and they can't do that on their own. And the only way they can get that from you is to make you angry and cross. All their um, siblings. You get you up into a heightened state, so yeah. it looks like that. But it is about, it's that not being able to, occupy yourself because you don't have that attention span mm. so it is it is and i think even as an adult those things really are the things that make it difficult as an adult but the hyperactivity generally eases as you get older you get you're not you're still hyperactive but you find ways of channeling that hyperactivity mm. but where the attention and concentration is always going to be a tricky thing mm. and then you've also got your organizational stuff you know forgetting mm. things and yeah not knowing and that other that's yeah. another bit of ADHD so again I think probably reasonably well known but yeah. I think the thing about that is maybe if there was to be something that's less well known is that just because somebody appears to be organized doesn't change the fact that it might have been an awful lot of effort for them to be yeah. able to do that we covered that a little bit on our previous podcast where we talked we've got a series yeah. of three about ADHD and in adults and we talk about that um but yeah so to, to kind of look under the surface it is often it with is, all of this yeah. looking yeah. under the surface just as you yeah. said about masking that not taking face value and actually thinking yeah that that child looks like it, that child does have everything in their bag they haven't forgotten anything but actually they've brought the whole flipping They've brought everything so yeah. they don't forget something, mm. or they've had to work quite hard, or, or somebody has had to work quite hard with them to make sure that they are organised because that is a definite yeah. and, and, difficulty and, with ADHD. And what you might see is the anxiety that they have around forgetting stuff. Yes. Yeah. So then that looks like anxiety, but actually underlying that is the fact that they the can't organise themselves. They've got ADHD, yeah. and and so they are constantly hypervigilant about well, I've forgotten this, am I going to be late, what do I need? And hypervigilant is a, is a 
you know, great way of focusing. Uh, that that's, yeah. just explains it, doesn't it? And that's what what then looks like the anxiety, but it is quite specifically the hypervigilance from from uh, from that ADHD. Yeah. I hope that's helpful. I think I'm, I'm sure we'll cover some more of these things, but the idea really was just to expand our knowledge a little bit about what ADHD and ASD uh, might might present like. Um, and that is, yeah, the differences. And that's for us as parents, but also then we have the opportunity if we when we understand that to be sharing that with others that are involved yeah. with our, our children. Yeah, I was just thinking about some of the language and um, that we have to just and, and that describe ADHD and autistic traits quite often like ditzy it is associated you don't think of a ditzy man do you no. a ditzy woman <laughs> or flaky or you know floaty all of those sorts of that language is very we do fair that very stereotypical language that actually describe those traits and you can see how historically that those expectations were well that's okay because that's she's just yeah kind and of therefore they were missed and they were missed and i think it's good because the the and traditionally as well the diagnostic criteria were very much focused on and designed around a male population yeah. so male presentation if you want to, for, for want of a better phrase and now that has changed so that i think that's another reason why we're picking more up yeah yeah which is good to do all right, well, I hope that's been helpful and uh, do join us for the next podcast. Thanks. If you'd like to know more about Angel Support, please check out our website, www.angelsupportgroup.org.uk. If you have any suggestions for topics or feedback for us, please do email us, us at podcast.angelsupportgroup.org.uk. Thanks.